Welcome to the Coded Switch Podcast, hosted by Dr. Galanega Machisa and told to the psychologist. On this episode, join us as we dive deep into our experiences of pregnancy, childbirth, and the fourth trimester. So everybody talks about postpartum depression. You're warned about that, the signs of it, what it looks, but it's not discussed enough. Postpartum anxiety is not, woof, and it's real. It's really real. It I mean, is real. All- it is real and we don't talk about it and you know there's so much within our culture actually that's quite beautiful to sort of protect you from that postpartum depression and anxiety and there's so many but because we don't know the logic for it we just dismiss it and then we kind of do our own thing as well and then when it doesn't work we get stressed out and because it's so embedded in our culture when you don't do that and then you have you know part you know start experiencing symptoms of anxiety people are confused they're like why is she like this what's wrong with her yes and no one girl you lived my life and I lived yours probably like it's you know I mean if we lived it in experiences how many other women have and right so people don't even have the title people don't even have the name or the ability to recognize it for what it is I remember uh, so my I gave birth to my son extremely traumatic birth Mm -hmm. and after I'd given birth to him I definitely experienced symptoms of anxiety symptoms Mm -hmm. of not depression, I think more anxious. I was, yeah. I was quite anxious. And so yes, people gave yes. him to me. And I remember like I certainly didn't love my son in the, oh, yeah. my God, here's my beautiful baby. Right. I was more like, oh, my God, he's alive. I'm yes. so glad that he's out. Yeah. I need to make sure I'm doing this right. I've, I yeah. felt I think more than love, it was a sense of duty. That's what yeah. I felt for my child. So Absolutely. I felt a sense of duty that I need to protect him, that I need to look after him, that I can't get mm-hmm. this wrong. And so, you know, people like to say, well, that's love, isn't it? And look, it's actions of love, but I certainly didn't feel those the happy feeling feelings. wasn't there. That's no, right. No, that's right. The same, hundred percent. I mean, to this day, yeah. I remember like it is imprinted in my gut the feeling of leaving the hospital. I am an MD. I have delivered children mm-hmm. myself, right? Like the feeling of being like, oh my god, he's going home with me right? Like I still remember to this day that feeling it was, I can feel the sun shining. It was a beautiful day leaving the hospital. I was scared out of, I mean, like scared is not even the right word. I was, it was terrified. It was like, yeah. Terror is what I can, what is going to happen to this child? Like, oh my God. Right. Like, and I knew, I mean, I have all the tools. I have all the extra training, the professional training, right? Like to know what I should be worried about, what is not worrisome, what it, but there was just And obviously, of course, hormones played a big role in that because anytime hormone levels are fluctuating and when they're in flux Mm. is when you will experience, when a person will experience the most physiologic symptoms. Did you, um, did you give birth naturally or was it through a cesarean? It was, no, I, it was a C-section. So this, this harps back to sort of what my pregnancy was like altogether yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, the pregnancy started off just fine. Um, got pregnant very easily. Uh, that was never an issue was progressing fine through first and part of the second trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at 22 weeks, <laughs> I ended up having emergency surgery, um, for what was thought to be a, a, torsed ovary ovarian torsion which is a surgical emergency yeah. um essentially when one of the ovaries starts to twist on the itself on its pole um okay. and can actually basically cuts off the blood supply and, and the ovary can die um or necrosis is the medical term so 
that was the concern. That's what it looked like on my imaging. I was in extreme pain. Um, yeah. And so everything sort of fit the clinical picture of like this, I, she's, you know, having a ovarian torsion. Um, and so that, that is considered a, a threat to, you know, maternal life. Um, and, and, and if not the ovary itself. And so I was whisked into surgery emergently. Um, obviously, if you could probably imagine like just going into surgery pregnant is nerve wracking, but the fact that they were operating in my abdomen on my ovary right next to my womb, um, just added more layers to sort of the terror of the experience. Um, I, I mean, I had a, I remember my, myself and my husband, we, we sort of had a moment of like, we broke down, right. Right before, right after being told that I was going to need to go to surgery, like it was not an option not to, um, just be, you know, wondering what was going to happen. Like, what, am I going to lose the pregnancy? Am I going to lose my baby? Like, yeah, am I, am I going to lose my life? Like what's happening? Right. So there's tremendous stress and, um, big, I mean, this is the epitome of, of a, like a physiologic stress response because my body is in pain. I'm also tackling with the sort of the cognitive side of things, like the awareness of what could happen, what's at stake here. Um, and so I ended up having the surgery, everything went fine. I have a beautiful son now to speak for it. Um, so everything progressed well there seemingly pretty well after, after the surgery, obviously recovering Mm. from a surgery while pregnant from an abdominal surgery while pregnant was a treat, (laughs) right? Like, I mean, it's surgically, it was an open uh, surgery too. So, you know, I have this huge abdominal scar and, and you know a baby that's kicking me from the inside yeah and they're probably <laughs> saying hi to the baby as they were doing the surgery as well because they could literally see it and be like don't pop that water yeah, um, exactly yeah. yeah no it's uh it was I mean to this day it's a it's surreal when I recount sort of what what I what I experienced mm-hmm. um and there's some other things that happened earlier in the pregnancy that weren't related to the pregnancy but it, and we could go into this another time it had it, it, it speaks to sort of like the in utero exposures that a human being experiences because um, this, there was an incident that happened while my husband and I were traveling back home um, when, when things were pretty chaotic as it, not like they, they're not now, but um, times were, were touch and go. And we experienced some things that were like actual direct threat to our, our lives, right. Our, like we could have been, significantly harmed physically hurt or killed mm-hmm. um and so i often wonder like what that experience had the effect of that experience had on on my then growing you know embryo it was very early in the pregnancy and then to this day to my you know to my son what what mm-hmm. effects that may have may have had um but were anyway you practic- to- were you practicing were you practicing as a doctor while you were pregnant as well so no i well not in not I did telemedicine. I did virtual, um, in the second part of the, in the second half of the pregnancy, but I never did. I was never able to do clinical work. Well, I did a little bit of, of sort of, um, like more of like apprenticeship to get into the the field of integrative medicine that I'm in now. Um, but nothing in the way of like the work that I had was doing just prior to becoming pregnant, which was working for a large, um, you know, bread and butter, organization doing bread and butter primary care, um, which I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. It's just so wild when you think of what modern human beings, modern women have to contend with. 
while also, you know, continuing the species and, you know, just gestating yeah. babies and rearing oh, children. Right. It's just wild. Right. So, um, no, I didn't have to work in the, in this, in this, the capacity that I was working before. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, what you were asking about sort of, you know, did I have a, a natural delivery, a natural birth vaginal versus a C-section? So because of the surgery, I was pretty much married to wedded to having a C-section essentially. Um, because well, you the, think about a, that, well, you just, you just literally your whole body turns inside out and then you're sent home with a baby. Like most people have a recovery period. Right. Um, how long were you in hospital for? Not very long. Um, I think I, I did the, the three days. I, I went yeah. home. Usually the typical after a C-section is four days, but I'd met all my milestones and they're like, oh, she's a doctor. She can go home. Right. <laughs> and that's probably why you went home terrified thinking, yes, but I'm also a first time mother. So, that's right. and exactly. again, that's the stuff that people don't talk about they're like well you'll recognize the signs and symptoms won't you exactly or, or you're yeah, a psychologist just, you'll know yeah. what depression and anxiety looks like why would you experience that it's funny because you know so many times you you know you hear you go to a medical doctor and they say you say oh you know I need scripts for depression and um, imagine if your doctor's like I'm, I'm kind of depressed too actually <laughs> <laughs> there but is a professional code how much I mean, but that's so sad that that would, instead of, um, instead of in, in instilling a, a sense of like camaraderie or like being together in it, it, what the immediate thing is that it, it, it makes, it brings up doubt. That's what a person would, would feel like if their health professional started sharing, right? Like what it really feel, what their life felt like, or like what they struggled with, mm. um, I'm always very guarded about that. I'm very aware because obviously I have my own life experiences and I identify a lot with what my patients are going through um, on many levels, but I, I self-censor because it's like, I, you know, they, there is a degree of faith and a degree of, you know, trust and that I don't want to breach that. I don't want to break that. And I get that, right. I get that from an ethical moral moral standpoint, but then where do you draw the line? You do that with your patients, but then you do it in your personal life. You do it with your friends. You do it with your family. You don't have a therapist. And then all of a sudden it just builds up. Especially I'll be honest, especially since we talked about code switching, especially when I code switch into dealing with our, our community, right? Because I know to our community, like it means, you know, having a title and being a, a, you know, a doctor, whatever, like a doctor or whatever title, like if it's maybe somebody who's clergy, like Mm. it comes with certain expectations and that's, that's across the board. I shouldn't just make it seem like it's only in our culture, but but there's less wiggle room. Yes. There's less wiggle room. Whereas like what I find, um, you know, in dealing with, with, um, you know, American culture is that like, there's an understanding that, yeah, people have professional lives and they are also people and they can, and it might be like surprising to see, you know, a doctor doing something that, you know, like, I mean, for example, let's, there's one, I, I, I sing, right. I feel I, like I, the, I feel like there's a story <laughs> coming here. I feel like, right, a story like I sing. Here. I love to sing at my, at my brother. Oh my was- God. I thought you said sin. I love to sing. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is, this is really it's going fun on happen. occasion. Right. No, <laughs> um, but no, like it's funny. Cause so I sing S I N G. Um, <laughs> and it's funny. Cause my brother, like he was just asking the question that like, we all 
ask each other one time or another about like, what would you do if you could live your life again? Or like, if you knew, you know, you never had to worry about money or you, whatever it is. And I, I was like, without even missing a beat, I was like, I, I would sing because mm-hmm. I love to sing and I, I'm, my voice isn't that bad. Um, and so I, you know, every once in a while I'll put like, I'll sing and I'll record myself and I'll be like, Oh, I can't, I can't put that out there. You know what I mean? Like a, doc- oh. like a doctor can't, you know, like, There's oh. a challenge right there. I feel like we're going to do an episode of the Curtis switch where you're going to do like a singing intro and see <laughs> how we go. Oh God. Uh, no, I will rise to that challenge, but it's, you know, there's, there's a lot that I feel like probably people who not just, you know, in, in their professional and personal life, but even, you know, code switching between in, in cultures, like, or behaving a certain way around people of your community. Mm. There's a lot of self-censoring is another part of code switching. A hundred percent. And also like that self-centering, I feel like we, it would be remiss to not discuss colonization and the impact of, you know, trying to parent in a colonized kind of world. And so, you know, even the idea of, you know, like carrying your baby or like baby wearing or, you know, co-sleeping, sleeping with your child and things that have been done for thousands of years are now like sort of, you know, kind of not what we do. And there's this sort of movement coming back towards it, even just again, like as parents, like you come, we come from a culture where, you know, there were rate, there were ways of raising babies for thousands of years that have had benefit. And so don't get me wrong. There were a lot of bad things that happened as well, but guess what? Technology came to fix that. And again, it's that disconnect. People jump from one ship to another and it's It's trying to find right. It's swinging from extremes on a pendulum. Like where's the medium? Why can't we well, why, is it why is it black and white? That's nothing the in part. life is black and white. Like there's, it's only shades of gray. It's varying mm-hmm. degrees of gray, really. Like some are darker than others. Right. But, and it may, may have the appearance of black and pure black and white, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, that I'm sorry, go ahead. I was yeah. going to say, did you have that fear? Like at the time when, you know, you were worried for your baby's life and for yourself. I, I mean, I experienced I experienced traumatic birth as well. And there was one point I remember thinking like very clearly, I need to go home with a baby. I cannot go home without a baby. Like I need one. I'm not going to do this for this many months and not have it. And then I just felt this pang for like, you know, there's so many women that have fertility issues that don't even have, you know, they, you know, waiting for that period and they get their period all the time. They're like, oh, they don't want it. And sort of, they want to be able to have kids. And so you know, all of this stuff that we're trying to figure out. And then there's this facade of like community and another facade of professionalism. And yeah. then sometimes, honestly, Dr. G, we've got, Dr. G, we've got, <laughs> we've got this thing where we don't recognize what is baby blues versus you need help. That's like, right. and That's there's right. no shame in getting help That's as right. well. Like a lot of people, my sister was experiencing a postpartum, you know, kind of depression, maybe more than anxiety. And she mm-hmm. wrote a blog post about it because she mm-hmm. she was very popular on social media. And she disappeared for a while. People were like, mm-hmm. where is she? And then she wrote this post and it just went viral. And people were saying, I can really relate to that. I didn't know that was a diagnosable thing. I didn't know that was something I could get help for. You know, and she wrote it quite beautifully. Maybe we'll put it up somewhere for people to read. It's quite an old article now, a a blog post, but definitely something I think worth talking about. And I think we need to maybe have other discussions about this, but I am curious to hear about people's birthing experience, especially not just if you're a health professional, but if, you know, you're a woman, of color, a woman with, you know, or maybe harnessing different cultural backgrounds as well. Like how do you navigate these spaces being, um, you know, a mother who's bringing life to the world? 
That's right. I mean, I love that you went there with the whole, you know, the uh, sort of the 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 wisdom, the tr- wisdom that is embedded in tra- to, into traditional sort traditional medicine or traditional ways of being. Um, you know, I I I'm trying not to use like buzzwords, but um, it, there there is an intrinsic wisdom that is inherent to sort of uh uncolonized civilization civilizations and cultures mm. that you know understanding the connection that needs to happen between you know mothers and babies fathers and babies mothers mm. and fathers like i mean that has just become so broken down i mean that's not even enough to describe what it's it's like the fabric the, the fabric of a family unit has just be, has degraded so much in the in the western world mm. to the point that like now you know we need to create laws and policy to, to protect it mm. right just because the inherent like understanding of it is just so, it's gone almost mm. um where and then of course what it looks like is like these tradition these traditions um, and or traditional practices of like, like you said, like co-sleeping or, um, you know, wearing is a big one. I, I think baby wearing. That's right. Like mm. your skin to skin that, I mean, they're, they're like no brainers to these seemingly, um, you know, uh, un- underdeveloped cultures or, you know, like uh, groups of people that uh, by whose standard anyway, if we're going to go there by whose standard <laughs> underdeveloped, but like, I was going to ask that, but I'm like, I'll wait till she finishes. That exactly. Picture. Right. <laughs> by whose standard, seriously, but it's, there's so much wisdom wrapped up into it. Mm. Oftentimes, like if I'm struggling with, with sort of like a medical concept or a health concept that might seem very complicated, mm-hmm. the way that I work myself through it and understand it is like trying to understand, like if it's with a particular system in the body, let's say, yeah. like, why did this function of the body develop? Like, why did it evolve this way? What, it, what's the purpose? Like what, cause it, it, I always start with the understanding that like the, the modern form of human beings, it really stopped changing in relation to the environment probably like 30 or 40,000 years ago. Yeah. Right. You start there with that understanding that, that the same machinery, even our prefrontal cortex, the same consciousness that we have now evolved was in evolved, evolved, you know, like I said, somewhere between 30 to 50,000 years ago, maybe Mm. ballpark. Can you, I can't, I, I struggle to imagine what this earth looked like that Mm. long ago, right. Mm. How different it looked, but that was the crucible those were the conditions that this this machinery i i know it's more than machinery but i like to i refer well, to yeah. it yeah it right that, that's what it that's what it was optimized to and mm-hmm. then you put that into the context of the modern world and modern living and that's exactly where where you can see why things break down the way they do it's well it's because, interesting it's interesting yeah. you say that because even when you talk about things like um you know, we talk about anxiety, like in particular, mm-hmm. and I talk with, you know, some of my, some of the people that I see my clients, they'll say things like, I get so stressed out. I'm so freaking stressed all the time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's because your body, your your brain actually does not know the difference between an actual threat and a potential threat. You that's need right. to make that that's difference. Dead. You need to yeah. distinguish yeah. between it. You know, back in the day, you know, they talk about caveman era when you saw, you know, a lion down the road, you'd be like, oh my God, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, whatever. Like you have this reaction, right? Because you're like, this lion is going to eat me unless I react in some kind of way. Whereas, you know, the lions in today's day and age, 
uh, are not animals. Like the threats are not animals. The threats are that phone call, that boss, that email, that manager. And so you can imagine how often do you see a lion and how often do you get, you know, emails that stress you out and stuff. So often I find people can relate to examples of like, you know, you you cross the road and um, a car whizzes by a little too close and you're like, And that reaction is literally that, you know, what do your body actually thinks it's been hit. That's how you're reacting. So you need to tell yourself, I didn't get hit. I'm mm-hmm. okay. I'm mm-hmm. fine. Deep breaths. All of the strategies they teach you, people generally tend to implement, but we don't really do that with all of the other potential threats in our lives. We take them right. on as though they're threats and they just sit here weighing on our shoulders. Well, and we just- uh, yeah, absolutely. 100%. 100%. I'll take that one step further. That thought just one step further in that it's, you're absolutely right that, you know, if we, if we stay in the present, we, by and large, we're, we're pretty safe. We're pretty well, you know, comfortable, even not even just safe. Like, we're not cold. We're not hungry. We're not that, you know, like our, our environment is, is generally protected. So those, those same, those threats that used to really be real for, for early human beings, um, they're by and large, not there anymore. What we have as human beings and what makes us the apex creature. And this is not my own thought, but this is, uh, um, put forth by this really, um, interesting, uh, Indian mystic, his name is Sadhguru, but he, he talks about sort of the 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 things that make us the apex creature are also the same things that human beings suffer now and what keeps us usually in a state of chronic stress and those things are the faculties of memory mm-hmm. and imagination mm. right yeah that's exactly what makes us the apex creature because we can f- project into the future i mean everything that you see in the physical world came out of somebody's imagination out of someone's yep. mind right yeah so yep. we have this amazing I am the to of my parents that's right. <laughs> more than their imagination yeah, exactly. And to remember, and our memory is like, oh my gosh, we can run a, a film, a movie in our minds yeah. if we want to. That's how yeah. deep our, our memory and how um, distilled and, and crystal clear it can be. And that is usually what we're suffering, right? Like mm-hmm. when we're, if we're, if, if say for example, um, like you, you mentioned like a deadline or a boss or a call or something like that, it's not the actual thing. It's the thought of it, right? It's the, it's the imagination of what might Happen. play out yeah exactly yeah. or the memory of something unfavorable or unpleasant mm. that played out that you mm. can just keep going you can keep it going as long as you want in even i say i usually i used to say from like eyes open to eyes shut but it can even i mean it can see your even when your eyes are shut can, even when your eyes are shut and sleeping right and so this is really where we are with 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 our experience of stress now and mm. and so and like absolutely you're you're certain you hit the nail on the head when you when you mentioned about sort of what what stress acute stress tends to look like now like when we really get that panicky feeling Mm. um and our bodies are well equipped to deal with acute stress it's Mm. it's not the acute stress well i mean if it happens often enough like being in a war zone or something prolonged stuff yeah but it's that chronic low level like i can still function i can still get things done you know maybe it's even a little exciting right like mm-hmm. um but that that level of sort of like those constant hormones in in flux like your cortisol and your adrenaline and norepinephrine over time is what essentially keeps the body in a state of survival and not yep. able to yep. deal with the regular housekeeping that needs to happen or in your case enjoy your children and same oh with my gosh well. absolutely and i Being think present. that's where we need to come Being back present. to like 
we you know. like you know when you're a mum and you're trying to straddle or you're trying to harness all of that stuff it's so hard because you're like it's the ongoing stress it just doesn't like parenting by default I don't think is particularly difficult like it's mm-hmm. there's not too much to feeding a baby changing a nappy what makes it difficult is the fact that it's relentless it's over time. Right. Like you can have a sleepless night one or two nights, but when mm-hmm. it's one month of lack of sleep, three months mm-hmm. of lack of sleep, that's when you're dealing with, well, it makes sense that, you know, things. And aren't that's not up. even, that's sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that's not even getting into the emotional yeah. needs of it. Right. Like those are just like the basic mm-hmm. need, like, let alone getting into the, you know, if, if most well-meaning adults understand that like children have emotional needs that need to, right. 100%. Like that, that aren't necessarily aligned with realistic right like realistic worries or right but it's like they're real to the child and that's all that matters but even for Um, us even for us as parents you think about that in our emotional needs I know in our culture we've got confinement like you give birth 40 days you stay at home and some people run with that where like they jail you in your house it's not the point it's the purpose of it is to you know the idea is that your only job is to bond with the baby. Someone should be cooking right. for you. Someone should be cleaning for you. When your guests come, you shouldn't be worried about, oh my God, what am I going to serve them? Someone should be there serving them. And all you need to do is sit and bond Isn't with your baby. Isn't that so beautiful? Like that's, that's beautiful. But and I mean. That's where the emotions allow, that's where you're allowed to sit in those emotions. You're allowed to be stressed. You, you, in fact, you've got 40 days to do it. But when you feel like I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got. So people say, oh, forget the 40 days and let's just go out and but do whatever man- we want. I mean, like, well, yeah, there is, you know. Why 40? Right, right. There is like, um, you know, there is maternal leave and those sorts of things, but that's only afforded to a certain sector of the population, right? Like, unless you sort of just take it upon yourself. Like I, for example, I just didn't, Re- go back into the workforce like I I was in between in between jobs I was doing the the telemedicine virtual thing but I just knew like I wasn't going to go back into clinic mm. until this time so I I could be at home and bond but that's that's an I mean at least in the United States let's not talk maternity leave in the United States I've seen enough TikToks on it <laughs> ours is better I'll criminal. give you that I think I took 46 weeks leave yeah and that's why I'm saying this is exactly like when a society when a society has to be told, mm. right, or like policies have to be made to protect mm. the the like the maternal child bond to protect like child rearing altogether, yeah. there's something yeah. wrong. Yeah, there is something wrong, right? Like, um. Anyway, I digress. You know, all of these stories are really telling, um, mm. because you know it's not exclusive just to you know a particular race of women or a particular group of women like right. postpartum depression anxiety yeah. yeah can hit anyone and i think in our communities we shy away from it quite a lot and so maybe it's about developing that language around like for example like i said you know i didn't love my child in the way that you know i see in the mm-hmm. movies where like oh my baby i think it took me like six months i think it was when he started right. smiling at me that i was like okay maybe like he's not dead or like i'm not doing the wrong yeah. things or it was really yeah. that bad the panic where Absolutely. everyone was like you should have it together as long as he's dressed and fed and everything and no one really discussed the fact I didn't know that whether my son was going to live or not I was going to go home mm-hmm. without a baby that's kind of where we were at and I remember his dad at the time was reflecting like oh this is bad and mm-hmm. so he was a medical professional that was even scarier I'm like if he's freaking out mm-hmm. what about me and so I think that's you know that a conversation that needs to be I guess revived within our communities, but Absolutely. with nuance. nuance. It, we continually revived. Like it has to continue to because 
we are not, we weren't the first two women to experience this. We won't be the last, unfortunately. And only with the space to talk about it freely and, and as raw as it needs to, you know, like the, the yeah. language as raw as it needs to be, right? That's the only possible way to, to heal mm. um, and to, to help women who coming down the pipeline who will inevitably experience some version of this as well right mm. um especially in a world that is just moving so quickly where the the space and the time isn't there and the the resources aren't there more mm. importantly right to be uh, even even in our community and even our because people have you know people have lives that they need to the li- like it's collective that this 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 yeah. pace of yeah. life that we're living is is sort of um it's not healthy and, and it shows up in different areas. And of course, a big place that it shows up is in the, in the maternal child relationship and the, the experience of, of pregnancy and, and, um, um, you know, delivering and, and then mothering and parenting. Um, so thank you so much for sharing what you did. I mean, that you, you went there like, and, and I'm so glad that you did because then I could be like, oh my, did I live did you live my life? Did I live yeah. your life? Right. Like, yeah, I, I didn't know. I didn't know yeah. that, you know, and so do doctor, do doctors get postpartum symptoms of postpartum depression and anxiety? Do you get it as a psychologist? Do you get it? You don't need to have those professions to necessarily have those issues, but yeah. yeah, I think, I think we can definitely keep talking to this. Let's open it up to everyone. I mean, we'll probably finish up here, but I am curious to hear about everyone else. Um, That's you know, right. if you're listening Absolutely. to this, what was your postpartum experience like? Um, you know, what were the, you know, what was the switch for you? What was the point where you realized, hang on, I've got to do this my way because sometimes you need to hit that rock bottom to be like, okay, something's got to change and it needs right. to change now. So right. And also what was the experience like with the either, you know, the support in whatever way that it looked like around you, where were people sort of responsive to what you were experiencing or words that sort of more aligned with mine and, and Toltu's experience of, of maybe not understanding what was what they were seeing and unfold in front of them. Mm. Um, that's also an interesting point just to know. The other um, thing and, is and, you yeah. and I reflected that was our first, that was the first birth that we had. So that's yes. also something else. Like is that's it? With my second and third and fourth child, would it necessarily be the same experience? I'm not sure. All right. Join us next time on The Coded Switch. I'm Dr. G and this is uh, Toltu and we look forward to seeing you guys next time.